Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. When you receive the life of the Lord Jesus Christ into you, you become now a child of God, a daughter of God, and you have now the authority to live the God life on this earth. That is, you can now live with God in you, and you can now begin to be regulated by God, and you can now be absolutely in a rhythm with your Lord, and you can now be under his leading, under his training. And indeed, it's a marvelous way to live. But one of the things that Almighty God will begin to facilitate in your life is sanctification. And he will begin to, by his Spirit, do a work in your flesh that is, in your humanity, and he will begin to address customs and habits and addictions and tendencies, if you will. And so this is a work of God, is to not only regenerate you in spirit, but to definitely sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body, as it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Now, what many of us do in our spiritual journey with God is that we're aware of the weaknesses of our flesh. And we're aware that a born-again person, you know, has to begin to live a kind of a holy life and have new habits and, you know, new uh, uh, customs and traditions in his life. So what we do is on the one hand, we say yes to God pertaining to salvation but then we resume a crusade against our weaknesses, against our flesh, uh, against our fallenness. And what happens is that when you launch a crusade against your flesh and you try to perfect yourself and you try to measure up and your focus, your attention, your energy is almost exclusively on your weaknesses and your inadequacies and you're just you're absolutely trying to 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 to, to be better and and do better um, what happens to many folk is that you land in the world of self-righteousness because you go on this crusade against your flesh no doubt many folk that are highly disciplined they eventually clean up their act and you'll notice that those folk often boast about the methods that they use to clean up their act and boast and brag about, you know, this uh, step I took and and how it worked. And they, they will often impose that on everybody else. Other folk will go on a crusade against their flesh and the flesh will continue to conquer and win. And what will happen to many of those folk are they lapse into depression spiritual disappointment you know i'm born of god i'm trying so hard to work on this area and to perfect this area and while the one person becomes very self-righteous because he does conquer that area 
Yet so many of the Lord's people fall into this ditch of depression and despondency. And so they begin to mistrust, really, if the Lord is at all living within them in the first place. There's, there's, a, there's a better way. There's a divine way that I want to introduce you to today. And in this particular session, we won't be able to cover the entire scope of, of uh, God's New Testament way how to deal with the flesh. But I want to introduce you a little bit how the spiritual man will deal with the issues of his flesh, his humanity, his carnality, and even how many Christians actually deals with it in a wrong way and maintain their carnality. So again, today you will not gain the full broad understanding of this particular dynamic in the New Testament, but at the very least, can I introduce you to how a spiritual man deals with the issues of his flesh. The calling of God on your life is not only to redeem you, but to make you live according to His heavenly economy. It is the burden of God that as it is in the heavenlies, it would be so for you and I on this earth. That's even what we pray. Lord, make happen into this earth, realize into our world here that which is reality and truth in your world. That is the calling of God on your life. Regardless of being a doctor or a vet or a nurse or whatever practitioner of whatever career you and I are, the higher calling is that we would live on earth, but by a reality that's unseen. Can you all follow with me? And what is God after? He's not only out to save you and to redeem you and to rescue you, but He is wanting you to live a kind of lifestyle. That's what we're after. Of y'all's own testimony, the Lord has already rescued, redeemed, saved, delivered you. You have been born again. You had an encounter with Almighty God. You gave your heart to Jesus or Jesus' life came into you. But now that you're born again and you have your ticket, so to speak, to heaven, that's the average understanding of salvation, I get a ticket to heaven. Now that I'm saved, what now? Well, now the real work begins. It's not the day that you get saved, that day your whole life just falls into place. Saints, it's a journey. But... The heart of God in this journey is that you would no longer live according to the old realities on this side of the river, but that you cross over and begin to live in the rhythm and the reality of the newness. Amen. Amen. That's the nature of our discussion. And I want to tell you that there is a difference between a spiritual man and a man that just merely lives still within his natural capability. 
For those of us who live by our natural capability, how's that going for you nowadays? You're not that strong. Rich Mullins has a beautiful song back uh, in the day that he sang, we're not as strong as we think we are. You and I try to use our fallen humanity to accomplish the things of God. And God has a problem with that. What He wants to do is put His Spirit within your humanity. And then by His Spirit, empower your humanity to live out what is His burden and His heart and His economy, His way, His purpose. But you and I are deceived into thinking we get saved in the name of Jesus but I'm going to live out the calling of God, the purposes of God, the ways of God. I'm going to live it out through my own natural strength. Beloved, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand this. It will not work. Your humanity, your flesh, is incompatible with the divine things of God. As the heavens are higher than the earth, there's a great picture that the ways of God is altogether higher than the ways of man. You and I cannot clean up our humanity. We cannot regulate our humanity. We can't hardly discipline. And for the few of you who have been able to discipline your humanity, you are so self-righteous. You just, oh. You boast and brag in your own accomplishments. In my humanity, in my fallenness, in my human life dwells nothing good, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I can train my humanity, but at the highest level that I will ever live is a good human being. But in God's economy, He's not after good human beings. He's after Christ-filled human beings. And did you get that? So yeah, we do live in a human body and you are to wash the thing and comb its hair a little bit and feed it some and train it some, educate it a little bit. But all that you can do for this body and for this humanity is arrive at the place of good humanness. This is practically what every religion is after, is to train the humanity to train the mind, to train and discipline, and to cultivate new habits. But the, the highest place that you can arrive is a good, clean human. Can you all follow with me? There are quite a few people on this planet who are beautifully clean humans. But this is not the burden of God. The burden of God is to take the shell of your humanity and fill it with divinity. That is to fill it with the very Christ Himself so that you become a host of the divine indwelling life and nature and DNA of God. So much so that you are transformed into that nature by His Spirit. You're not transformed into becoming a good person. You're being transformed into the Son of God's image Himself. Can you all follow with me? So this is God's heart. And I want to show you a couple of contradictory uh, terms.
terms here in the book of Galatians. And um, I want you to see flesh versus spirit and the contradiction thereof. So follow with me now in uh, Galatians chapter 3. As I hear the stories of the Lord's people, I find a common thread among all of us in that we desperately call out to God for salvation, but after salvation we take matters into our own hands. And we know in our mind that God wants holiness, and we know in our mind that God wants Love and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and benevolence and hospitality and just list it. We know in our mind these things. But the error, beloved, you and I make is we start in the spirit and then we presume I can discipline the flesh. I can clean up this house and thereby reach Christ-likeness. And it will frustrate you. Because you will never, ever be able in your humanity to arrive at godliness. This has to be a work of the Spirit of God. In the book of Galatians, you find a group of people inviting God into their life. And they are saved, they are redeemed, the blood of Jesus has come and washed them, and they get the gift of eternal life. And then they take on the law of Moses. Customs and traditions and ordinances and do's and don'ts and eat this and don't eat that. And they start circumcising themselves. That is, they're not clinging to the Lord in faith. They're beginning to live by their humanity cleaning up their humanity, their focus is on their humanity. And in a way, they think they can arrive to godliness through their own human capability. And Paul is furious. This is one of the letters here that Paul is so mad. Because we're deceived thinking we can start in the spirit and then continue the journey through our human, fleshly, carnal, yeah, capabilities. And Paul repudiates that right here. Notice Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you. Who has put a spell on you? By the way, uh, if you just follow with me, he's talking to the people of God here, not to the pagans. These are the redeemed, born again, blood-washed, blood-bought, spirit-filled people that he's talking to. And he says that Christians can become bewitched. A spell can be cast upon us, even as the people of God. So he says, you're foolish, you're ignorant, you're unaware. Who has practiced divination with you? Because when I came to you, I preached Jesus Christ and Him only as crucified. 
This is Paul's gospel. One man dying for you. So he says in verse 2, This I want to learn from you. Can somebody please help me out? So he asks this question. Did you receive the Spirit out of the works of the law? Did you do a lot of things to get the Holy Ghost into your being? Or did you simply believe? So it's a rhetorical question. Obviously, we receive the grace of God by simply believing, right? We receive the indwelling Spirit of the Lord by simply saying, Come, Lord. So simple. So he's arguing with them, how did you get the Holy Ghost? Obviously, the answer is, by faith. So now, he takes that logic and he uses it against them. And he says in verse 3, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And I want you to notice, when he talks of flesh here, he's not talking about evil flesh. He's just talking about human, normal flesh. That is your humanity. In other words, can you... By using your humanity and focusing on your humanity and putting laws on my humanity and trying to discipline this humanity, can your humanity by its own power arrive to the place of godliness? The obvious answer is no. But for the average Joe, the answer is yes. Why? Because we've been bewitched. A spell is cast on us where we think, we're really just deceived, but we think, huh, I've got what it takes to live the godly life. Bring it on. And saints, if we're all honest, we do not have what it takes. So Paul draws a distinction here. Even your good humanity, trying to circumcise yourself, trying to clean yourself up, trying to regulate yourself and discipline yourself, you will never reach perfection. You just do not have what it takes. Saints, I hope that's good news for all of you. If you feel a little bit depressed that you don't have what it takes, you're still not understanding the gospel. When I say to you, in your flesh dwells nothing good, somebody ought to say, thank you, glory to God. Somebody ought to say, Hallelujah! Then the revelation is hitting you. In you dwells nothing good. We are not capable of perfection through human means. That ought to be so liberating to you. So stop condemning yourself that you can't measure up. Listen, to the extent that you feel so sorry that you are so pitiful and that you, you failed again and again... That means you're deceived because you are thinking you were able to withstand that temptation. You were able to overcome that situation. And now you're feeling so sad at yourself and you're so mad. Man, I should have known better. That's an indication right there that you're bewitched. I would say to you, if you find weakness in your being, then say, praise the Lord. If you've tried and you keep falling, then just 
sooner or later say, thank you, God. I get the point. The conclusion here is that if we begin by the Spirit, we need to be carried onwards by the Spirit. Can you follow with me? Okay. Keep your place here in the book of Galatians and flip back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice how Paul speaks about the Spirit of the Lord that accomplishes the transforming work within our being. It's not your IQ. It's not your talent. It's not your great morality and your, 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 your ethical, wonderful, cultural you, you live in. It's not your church, your denomination. It's not positive thinking. There is nothing in you that can perfect you unto godliness. Again, the highest level you can ever arrive at is a good human being. But God is not into good human beings. He's into God-indwelt human beings. God-infused human beings. God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what God is after. So the emphasis is we don't only get saved by the Spirit. We need to learn to live by the Spirit. The Spirit plays an enormous role. The flesh profits nothing. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. He says, The Lord is the Spirit. Can you clearly see that Jesus is the Holy Spirit? Hello? Yes. yes. And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Saints, if you and I cannot get over hurts and bondage, bondages and shackles and habits, if we can't get over that, then that is proof that the Spirit of God is not ruling and reigning and lording in my life. Otherwise, you would have freedom. Does this make sense? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's not an issue of freedom to dance or a freedom to shout. It's like a freedom to live over sin, Satan, self, and the world. It's a freedom over the law. It's a freedom over weakness, customs, and traditions. So I would say to you, the more you can tune into the Holy Spirit who has power within you, the freer you will live as a human being. Notice how he says in verse 18, But we all, with an unveiled face, Oh, we have to be unveiled. As long as you live in your flesh, you're bewitched. You are deceived. There is a veil that obscures and hides light and truth and reality from you. So Paul says, when you can begin to be unveiled... That is, God can teach you, and God can shine upon you. In the foregoing verses, he explains the whole issue of being veiled versus unveiled. So, suffice it just to say, with an unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image. And that's the image of Jesus we are being transformed into. God is in the transforming business. But here Paul gives us a clue. 
we're being transformed from glory to glory to glory. That is, we don't arrive overnight. It's a journey. It's a process, right? So, then he brings the punchline. How are we changing? Who is causing the change in me? Who has the power to lift me above just my humanity? Who transforms me? Read there in your Bible. This comes from the Lord, who is the? It's the Spirit of God versus yourself, your flesh, your humanity. Again, even if you have good flesh, you're still opposing God. You and I mostly think, oh, when I get clubbered and I live loose and I'm just a, a, just a despicable me and atrocious and I'm vulgar and now I'm a grievance to the Holy Spirit. Of course you are. But I want you to know there's such a thing as good flesh. The Galatians here, they were practicing good flesh. Ooh, we've got to fast. We've got to keep the Jewish law. We've got to get circumcised. We've got to keep the Sabbath. They were trying to do good things, but in the power of the, the flesh. And God had already nailed all of those shadows onto the cross and fulfilled it. All you need is the substance now of it all, which is Christ. So they have a fake spirituality, a made-up spirituality, a self-imposed religion. And Paul is clear in, in, in Colossians, this is of no value against the indulgence of your flesh. You have got to learn to host the ghost. That is your only answer for transformation. And it is by the Spirit of God that your humanity will rise up above the norm. There's no other way. Turn back to Romans chapter 8. Here Paul contrasts again the flesh versus the spirit. Pick it up there in verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh, those that are just human, those that live in the natural, they set their minds on the things of the natural. But those who live according to the spirit, those who are alive because of the Holy Spirit, those who now live in the spirit and walk in the spirit, they mind the things of the spirit. Kind after its own kind. Verse 6, for the mind that is set on the flesh is death. That's why when you and I live in this environment where we're exclusively focusing on the cleaning up of the flesh and the perfection of the humanity, and we're aware constantly of our sin over here, you will always feel dead. Because the mind set on this environment is death. That's why we feel like we're not connecting with God, or at least God's not connecting with us. Why? Because you're exclusively in the realm of the self, the I, the me, the carnal, the flesh. 
Paul has a better answer. He says, the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. As you live as a human being, but you keep minding the Lord, you will experience a strength, that is life, and you will experience peace, a confidence, a relaxedness within your being. And that's the fruit of being in spirit, life and peace. In verse 7 he says, when your mind is set on your flesh, even good flesh, okay, then you become an enemy of God. That's why Paul was so furious with the Galatian people. He even calls them bewitched. That's strong language. You become an obstacle. You remember Peter. There in Matthew 16, Jesus explains that he's going to be crucified. And Peter rebukes him and reprimands, Lord, this is not going to happen to you. No, 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 no. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan, because you are a stumbling block for the purposes of God. You frustrate the economy of God. You frustrate the wisdom of God. You, according to Paul here, become the enemy of God. Most of us think the enemy of God is only the Antichrist, that kind of a figure that creates this world system and this one global environment, that's the enemy of God. But me who's trying to be goody tissue? Your goody tissue-ness frustrates God too. And that's the lesson I want to drive home with you today, is even whatever you think is good is a frustration to God because it's not Christ. God has only one word in His vocabulary. It is Christ. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's before all things. All things were created for, th through Him. All things were created in Him. He upholds all things. All things are unto Him. The first and the last word in the, in, in the heart of God is Jesus Christ. Not good. Excuse me? Good comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and? And the day that you eat thereof, you will die. God is into a person, not into actions. And it's by the person of Christ that your actions will be reformed and cultivated. But it's by that person. So yeah, when you and I just try to like get up every morning and have a devotion, and we try to abstain from sexual immorality, and we try to control ourselves, and we... Our focus is our sin. Our focus is not the Christ. You will not find the power of God in that matrix of self-living. Even good self-living. You just won't. You frustrate God. Go back to your uh, text here, Romans 8 and verse 7. Your flesh is not subject to the law of God and neither can it be. Verse 8, then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Even if you're trying to keep the law, you cannot. Your flesh is incompatible with the law of God. You're trying to carry the law of God. You can't. Because your flesh cannot be tamed. It is not subject to the law of God. The law of God can have really no influence over your flesh. 
You're not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. Your flesh cannot please God. Verse 9. Oh, I like this. But you are not in the the realm of the flesh. This is what Paul says about the believer. You ought not to be a person caught and stuck in the dynamics of the flesh only. You're a person of the Spirit. So he says, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So then, my brothers, we are debtors. We have a debt to pay. But it's not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. That just simply means, again, don't think evil flesh here. Think religious flesh. The debt that we have to pay in our thankfulness to God it's not to try to live in this flesh and minding the things of religion in the flesh and goodness in the flesh. Our debt is not to focus on the flesh. Can you all follow? Your debt is the Spirit brought you to the dance. Christ brought you to the dance. You owe a debt to the man who brought you to the dance. Dance with him. That is my attention and my focus is no longer on my weaknesses and my humanity. My focus and attention is on loving God. And in walking in Him and loving Him and dancing, so to speak, with the Lord, you find yourself transformed. We have a debt to pay, Paul actually says. But your debt is not to try to clean up your act. For if you live according to the flesh, verse 13, you must die. Again, I would say to you, why do so many of us do so many good things for God and we keep feeling like we never connect with God? My God, did you see that? I tried to pray for an hour. Did you even notice? All of those statements we make where we feel distant, it's like there's a dome between me and God. God has left me, forsaken me, He's ignored me, God's over. All of those statements, we can sum up biblically with one word. You're experiencing death. Death is alienation, separation. You are experiencing death. How did that death come about? Because you're living in the matrix of what is good versus this is where your focus and your passion and your energy is. So when you make these vows, I've done it, you've done it, you make these vows. I'm going to read my Bible and pray every day from now on. Lord, I'm going to show you I'm serious. You can count on me, Jesus. You take a seat, Lord, this one's on me. I got this. Is it not true that that is a beautiful intention? That's a great intention to try to show your love and your consecration and your devotion. But you know what you're doing? You're doing it out of self-focus. 
Lord, I'm going to show you that I love you. Can I prove to you a little bit, Lord? I'm going to give all my possessions. I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to read that Bible. But is it not true that as you start on this journey to try to clean up the flesh and prove yourself to God, you feel more alienated and more distant and God is more vague and obscuring like, Lord, I'm doing all this stuff for you. Why is this not working? And then we come to this conclusion, aha, probably I'm doing something wrong, so I need to try more. Or you come to this conclusion, I try and I try and try, God, you keep failing me, that's it, I'm out of here. I mean, we all do that, saints. You're experiencing what? In theology, in biblical terminology, you are simply experiencing death. course you're living but you're a walking dead man come back to the text verse 13 if you live according to your flesh you must die but if by the spirit there's the key if by the spirit of God you put to death the practices of the body then you will live. We overcome by the Spirit of the Lord, not by the power and strength of the, the flesh. I trust that you can see the difference between a focus on the Spirit versus a focus on the self. Paul says we have a debt, and that debt is to the Spirit. And um, if, we, if we pay the debt to the Holy Spirit, the love of God, the worship of God, obedience to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, minding the Spirit, that's the debt we pay. Paul is very clear. God will deal then through the power, through the grace, and through the anointing of the Spirit He'll deal with the habits of your life, the issues of your life, the uh, bondages and brokennesses and, and weaknesses of your life. But if you go on a crusade to clean up those weaknesses independent of the Spirit of God, well, then you will experience what everybody experiences. Um, one of two things. Number one, you're going to become self-righteous. People who focus on themselves and try to clean up their life. You'll notice they always brag about something, some accomplishment. There's a self-righteousness that, that just cloaks their entire being. When you focus on the self, you clean up the self by the power of the self, by the effort of the self, then of course you've got something to boast about. And you'll see that's the ditch that many fall into, self-righteousness. Of course, others who focus on themselves, they... Uh, don't quite measure up. And you'll see what happens to them as they condemn themselves and they become uh, critical and they become cynical and even confused about the spiritual life. Um, they, they lapse into spiritual depression. And I see this all over where the spiritual depression folk experience is directly to related to the effort they put 
into cleaning up their own act. Paul goes on in Galatians 6. He says in verse 12, As many as desire to make a good show in the flesh, these compel you to be circumcised, but only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For neither do they that become circumcised keep the law themselves. Paul is basically saying that even if you circumcise yourself, even if you clean up your flesh and you excessively focus on a, on a, on a self-improvement, that is no guarantee that you will keep the law. We think that clean flesh keeps the law, but that's not true. The only person that keeps the law is Jesus Christ. And when you live in Christ and you move in Christ and you're in the love of God, then you're keeping the law because Christ in you is keeping the law. But should you obey every letter of the law, should you follow every tradition and every custom and you, you commit you know, circumcision to your flesh and you fast till you're blue in the face, that does not mean that you uphold the law. Because by the flesh, by the works, nobody can be justified before God. So Paul says here, um, the reason that they want you to be circumcised and they want you to focus on your flesh and clean up your act is so that they can boast in your flesh. And this is what many of us do. We boast in our accomplishment. We boast in our victory. And Paul would rather have us boast in the person of Jesus Christ. He then says here in verse 14 so beautifully, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Beloved, there's a secret that insofar you focus on Christ, insofar you eat and drink, and take him with a single vision and a pure devotion. That's how you will experience the crucifixion of your flesh and of the world. That's how the things of this world grow strangely dim to you. It's in the focus of him. So I want to encourage you to exercise this. Go for a week or two and focus exclusively on the self and, and see how that works out for you. Before long, you'll be in self-righteousness and you'll be comparing yourself and competing with other believers. And people who are self-righteous, they love to dish out advice. Do this, take this, uh, uh, don't do this, step one, step two, principle one. And this is how you arrive at justification, at pureness, at wholeness, just for a week. Try to focus on yourself and see how that goes for you. You're either going to become self-righteous or self-condemning in, in that spiritual depression. Or for the next week or so, focus exclusively your effort on just saying, Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord Jesus, you are welcome in my life. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Even just day in and day out, say, Lord Jesus. And just watch what happens. I want to conclude, though, with a balancing word. Many of you hearing this will then say, Aha, 
Francois, are you giving us then uh, liberty to just check out? If it's all Jesus, then I can just sit on the couch, do nothing, and um, the Lord's got this. And uh, yeah, just lollygag, be lazy, be sloppy, be checked out. Beloved, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what the Apostle Paul teaches either. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 24, he says that they who are of Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its lusts. Christ is the one that justifies you. Christ is the one that enables you, empowers you, anoints you. Christ is the one who graces you and sustains you. But why is he gracing you? Why is he anointing you? Why is he supplying you with the bountiful riches of the Spirit? It's so that by the Spirit, you can deal with the crucifixion of your flesh in practicality. So it is erroneous to say, ah, it's all God, so I can just check out. I can just lay on the couch and God's going to sanctify me. No, 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 no. As the Spirit of God gains ground in you, no doubt the Spirit of God will address issues in your life. And if you're really in the Spirit, if you really mind the Spirit, then you will put to death the deeds of the body. Those who are of Christ have crucified. You'll see that if, if you're of Christ, then you will live a crucified life. The Holy Spirit will deal with the issues of your life. A person who are not being dealt with by God is not in the Spirit. But we have to be careful how we go about this. The focus is for me, my eyes are on God, not on cleaning up myself. So you stay in devotion to God, but then I can guarantee you, if you are of Christ, God will want to deal with the issues of your flesh. And this is where you then obey. This is where then you, you, you submit and you lay yourself down. Paul concludes, if we live by the Spirit, let us also then walk by the Spirit. That is, if the Holy Spirit is real to you and if made you alive in Christ, then you should have a life that exemplify uh, the reality of the Spirit. And, and what manifestation is there but a life that, that walks out the realities of the new covenant? The, the tree that bears the proper fruit of the work of God. You can't say, I belong to Jesus and live in darkness. You can't say, I belong to Jesus, I'm of Christ, and just predominantly remain a fleshly person. No, if you are of Christ, if you live by the Spirit, then walk by the Spirit. See, the carnal man is looking for every excuse to remain in his carnality. But the spiritual man, he looks ongoingly to his Lord. And his Lord, one by one, deals with the issues of his fallen flesh, his fallen nature, his fallen humanity. And day in and day out, in his body, he's beginning to realize more and more 
the dynamics and the rhythms of the new covenant of life in the Holy Spirit. Beloved, live in spirit. Live in spirit. And you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh.